Well, guys, we want to ask you to grab a Bible. Hope you brought one. And if you did, would you make your way to the book of 1 John chapter 2? On Sunday mornings, we are journeying through 1 John verse by verse, and so we are picking up this morning where we left off from last week, and so hoping you have a Bible. If you didn't bring one, there are Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you. Page number on the screen, you can join us right there. If you want to use an electronic device, you are welcome to do that as well. One way or another, we are inviting you to be in the Word of God with us, that God would open up His Word so that you see it, hear it, understand it, and that he would work it into your heart and life this morning. It's what we want, asking for and seeking for each of you here. If you're in the overflow, if you're in online, hear the same invitation. Grab a Bible, open it up so that God's word would be made known to you, that you would see it and that God would speak to you through the power of his word. It's exactly what we need and what we're longing for right now for each of us in this space. And so with that as an aim, let's take another moment to pray. I'll lead. I hope you would pray as well that God would help us to hear what he has for each of us this morning through his word. Father, thank you for this moment. And I'm asking that you would indeed help us to hear what you have for us. Your word is before us. And I honor you that it's your word. Lord, speak to it, through it, to us. Cause us to have ears to hear what your spirit would speak to us. Cause it to resonate and just make sense and then work that good work in us that you're intending to work. Lord, you know us. You know each one of us right where we are. You know what we need. Make it apply. Make it just perfectly work into our lives what you're seeking to work into us. You can do that. I know you and you alone can, but I'm asking for it from your hand and work right now. God, would you do that here? We ask for it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The abiding life is the abundant life. Yeah, I want you to begin there with me, just this understanding, because we are talking in this morning, and we started last week, talking about the abiding life in Christ. And I told you last week, using actually this quote from J.I. Packer, that this is exactly, this is the abundant life. This is life to the full. This is life to the max. This is life as it was intended to be lived. This is the life that God has for you that you can have in him. It is a good, wonderful thing, and it's a life that is found in abiding. Yeah, that's exactly, again, where we are, what John is speaking to us about. In fact, again, we're in a section where he mentions that seven times. And we started last week, we covered one aspect of it, we're going to continue this week and then we'll complete it next week, so kind of a little three-week mini-series uh, in the midst of this, each one speaking about this abiding relationship, and I let you know that, so if you missed it, you might want to go back and get it online so it can all kind of make sense together, but hear this clearly. When John is saying this, he is only just echoing what Jesus had spoken to him. That night before Jesus went to the cross, there in John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he went on in the section and gave more of it there in John 15, but I highlight just this in its simplicity, where Jesus says, here's what you need to do. You need to abide in me. You need a life connected to me, depending upon me, relying on me. Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the source. 
You're a branch that's meant to be connected to that, and your life only works when it's connected and flowing from that, that you would have that, and he invites you and I to have that relationship, that we would walk in what that is, that he would call us and enable us to have that life that is from him in this. That's exactly what he's speaking about and what we want to speak about this morning. Tell you what, for a little bit of context, let's go back and read where we were last week up to what we're going to cover this week. Would you go back there with me and begin in verse 24? He says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you, will also, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is eternal life. I'm sorry, this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life, excuse me. Verse 26, These things... I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, he says, which is where we are this week. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it taught you, you will abide in him. Abiding in Christ is the aim. Abiding in Christ is exactly what he's seeking to help you and I have this morning. Last week we talked about this, and in essence talked about just the the power of that, the life that would be given there. And we pointed out that he gave us one of the keys of that, which was abiding in the Word of God, that we would be those that would have it. And I told you then and remind you now, there's no way to have it without it. You can't have an abiding life without the Word of God. That being in the Word of God is one of the things that facilitates just that being placed in our lives. We need that. Well, this morning we want to add to it. We want to add that not only do we need the Word of God, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit very specifically is given to us for enabling and strengthening that in our lives. Well, yeah, that's what John's going to unpack for us. We're going to see this morning and talk a little bit about what that is. With that, go back and notice again the verse we read just a second ago in verse 26. It says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Yeah, we think about what this is. We think about what he's giving us here. And he just begins with a warning. A warning that beware, in essence, that there are those who are trying to deceive you. Now we think about that, and ultimately, that would be what Satan is seeking to do. That Satan, in his very essence, is a liar. He's the father of lies, which is what Jesus told us. He says, the devil does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus looks at the devil and says, this is what he's been doing since the beginning. From the Garden of Eden till now, he's been lying. He's been lying to lead God's people astray, to mess people up, and he is a a liar, the father of lies that seeks to purposely bring deceptions into this place to lead us astray. Yeah, that's exactly what Satan is. He's a liar. He's a liar that is investing into this world lies. Add to that, we have antichrists. Yeah, in this section, we've been talking a little bit about that. Right before where we were last week, we reminded ourselves that we have those that are bringing in deception. Go back to just look at it in verse 18. We won't read that entire thing, but it's helpful just to see this. It says, little children, it is the last hour. 
as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who's going to come in the end, the Satan-empowered man, he's coming. But even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. He says, we have now, in this day and in this space, we have those that are Antichrists. We talked about it then, and I remind you now that an Antichrist is one that is seeking to keep you from Christ, to seek you to keep, seek to keep you from abiding. Yeah, anti isn't necessarily instead of. It's not the idea of opposite of, I should say. It is the idea of taking that place of Christ, of keeping you from that central relationship with Jesus, that in that sense we have those. And so John is telling us, hey, you guys, we have these. We have Antichrist in our world that would seek to lead you astray. Yeah, that's actually what the word deceive means. When you notice there there in verse 26, and he tells us these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. The word deceive here literally means to knock you off course, to lead you astray, to, to make the course that you're on that you would turn aside from that. That's a pretty serious thing. Yet understand this, that's exactly what God is warning us about. In fact, Jesus did. When he was speaking about the end days and things that would be coming, he said, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Jesus said, you guys are going to have to face this. This is coming. You're going to face things that would seek to be deceptive in our world, and the Bible's very clear about this. Jesus warns about it. We have a lot written about it in the New Testament that lets us know that this is indeed a very real part of what we're facing in this world is facing those who try to deceive us, who try to lead us astray. So I want to just, just pause and say, I just want to make sure you feel that. That in one sense, as we're thinking about what we want to talk about this morning, you need to feel the weight of this warning. You need to feel the weight that there are those who are seeking to lead you astray. There are things that are out there that if they get a hold of your life, they will deceive you. And it's lies. It is solidly lies. Paul would say it this way in Second Timothy. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. So as he looks at the corridor of history and he says, here's what you're going to have to understand. It's getting, ba- it's getting worse. It's going to get worse and worse. He, he saw it in his generation. We live far into that and we can only say, true. <laughs> it's going, it is, it gets worse that this idea of dealing with deception is absolutely real. It will grow worse and worse, and there are those deceiving. To put it in this word has the idea that they are intentionally deceiving, that they will are some out there that they seek to lie, and they know that they're lying, and yet they're trying to take advantage of you. Wow. I mean, let's just stop and just think about that. I mean, you guys kind of get this, right? I mean, that's happening in our world, right? Take it out of just the spiritual realm and put it into everything we face, and you guys know it. If you have an email account, then you probably deal with spam. You know what I mean, right? I mean, these things, and have you ever sat there and thought, I mean, I wonder who sits there and thinks, I wonder who I could deceive. You know, I wonder what I could come up with and somebody will click on it and and they just intentionally do it. And there are people who actually intend to do that. They know they're lying when they're lying and they're lying. He says, that's how it happens. Sometimes that happens in our world. Sometimes that happens spiritually. 
There are people that are lying, and they know they're lying. They're trying to manipulate. They're trying to get money. They're trying to do other things. He said there are times that people know that they're lying, and they lie. But interestingly enough, Paul adds another possibility. He says these evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yeah, here's the deal. Not everybody who is deceiving understands they're deceiving. Some of them bought into the lie themselves. Some of them drank the Kool-Aid. And, and they like, okay, you know, it's like we, and they're, now they're propagating lies in our world, and they're propagating lies in your world, but they've bought into the lie. And, and yet it's still a lie. Even if they don't even know they're doing it, it's still part of the thing that we're facing. And so right now we're just needing to feel the weight of that, needing to understand this. And again, I don't know how clearly this lands. I mean, if I could convince you of how serious this is, that there are people, there are spiritual elements to this, Satan himself, who is looking at you and thinking, I'm trying to rob you. (laughs) I'm trying to steal things from you. And, And again, some of them are just, you know, again, let's go back to the silly illustration of spam. I mean, I think about spam, and sometimes it's just so... You, you, I don't know about you. I have these like silly conversations at times like, does anybody ever click on this? I mean, did any of you ever, you know, get the one from the, you know, the widow, the Ethiopian or whatever, the million dollars? Like, hey, I just found your name. I thought I'd give you a million dollars. It's like, did anybody fall for it? I mean, somebody probably did, but probably, hopefully not anybody here. Or what about the car warranty ones? I mean, how many people like, oh yeah, you're calling, yeah, just you. I mean, people obviously do. And if you did, I'm not trying to make fun of you. But I'm just saying for most of us, we're like, I saw right through that. But here's the scary thing. Some of them are so good. Some are so good that sometimes we probably do. We were looking at it this week, and we'd gotten in this thing that looked like a bill, and, and it honestly was really good. It, was, it really looked like it, and we were just about, hey, yeah, we should pay that. It kind of looks like, you know, something that comes. And then all of a sudden, Cindy and I were looking. It's like, wait a second. Like, wait a second. You know, we kind of began reading the fine print. It's like, this isn't a bill. This is a lie. I mean, this is trying to rip us off. And it's like, man, I found myself thinking, who does these things? You know, sits there and comes up with this and then wondering, I mean, I wonder how often we have bought into the lie. We probably have. I don't know about you, but I'm just saying you probably have been deceived and somebody has hoodwinked you and you've, you know, spent money on something you didn't need to spend money on. But how much more serious when it becomes to our soul? That how much could it be that Satan, who is trying to rob you of what Jesus could be to you, of the fullness of Christ in your life, of abiding in Christ, I wonder how often we buy into a lie that robs us of that. And what I need to convince you of is that's a serious deal. That's a serious deal that you and this world are going to have to face this and overcome. Because if you don't overcome, then these lies will rob you of the life you can have in Christ. And in this context, again, it will rob you of abiding in Christ. Wow. So with that serious measure before us, with an understanding of a warning that he gives us, how do we overcome these lies? How do we overcome them? Well, in context, obviously, again, it's going to be the word of God, believing this truth. But now he adds another part of it. Pick it up there in verse 27. But the anointing, which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Yeah, this idea of abiding. He says if you want to abide in Christ, and you, if, you, if you want this, here's what you need to understand. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. 
yeah, we need to start right there and make sure we wrap our minds around this and say it as clear as I can. All Christians always have the Holy Spirit. Hear me clearly. All Christians always have the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus promised us. That's what Jesus said when he was praying for us and looking at it before he went to the cross. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Yeah, the helper that Jesus is speaking about is the Holy Spirit who would enable and strengthen us. He says, here's the deal. I'm going to pray for you, and that helper will always be with you. That helper will abide with you forever. Please understand the solidness of that. Please understand not just the potential of that, but if Jesus says he will, he does. If he says he will abide with us forever, he does abide with us forever. I like the way Paul even said it in Corinthians. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God, he dwells inside you. I mean, he's inside of us. I mean, he is present with us. That's incredible. That's a reality that we have to begin with understanding. Now, pause right there. I'm going to rabbit trail just for a second, then I'll come quickly back from the rabbit trail, not go long down it. There's a lot of debate about the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, and maybe some of you are in that debate, and you're kind of even right now hoping that I'm going to address it. Let me kind of just quickly say I have some solid beliefs about some of these things. I think I could give scriptural evidence for it, but I've also come to a very simple understanding of this. For starters, I believe Jesus. All Christians always have the Spirit. There's not any Christian that doesn't have the Spirit inside of us. That many times the wrestling that people have theologically of, you know, how much of the Spirit or baptism of the Spirit or when do those things happen, really the issue is how much you have of Him. And I've come to a pretty simple place of that. I just want more of it, and I want you to have all of that. We could argue theology all day long, but I'm just telling you, if you're hungry for it, you're wanting all that God has, and we need that, then we should pursue that. Well, pause there. We're going to back down that rabbit trail, not go down that, but I want to come back to this. So all Christians always have the Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not His. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. That's as clear as I can say it, right? I mean, I hope that's as clear as it can come across. Paul would say it this way to us in Romans. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Wow, I mean, just to tell you how incredibly clear this is. If you don't have the Spirit, then you're not his. If you don't have the Spirit, you are not his. And I just need to say that clearly. Now, I recognize this. In saying this, it's actually going to bring some, you know, trouble and even condemnation for some. Some are like, well, maybe I'm not even saved. And I, I just want to tell you, I love you. I'm not trying to create those hard spaces. At the same moment, it's worth it. Because here's the deal. Someone here this morning, you're religious. You don't have a relationship. Church to you is a club, much like you joining any other club, paying your dues, spending your time. But you don't know Jesus. You're not actually saved. And the dynamic relationship with Jesus and the abiding presence of the Spirit, it's not something you know. In fact, you probably think, well, that's what for like, you know, really like weird Christians or like people who kind of, you know, do Christianity plus or something, you know. But, you know, I'm just one of the basic ones. Well, basic Christians have this. 
Every Christian has this. So if you don't have God, if you don't have no, no Jesus and the Spirit of God inside of you, then I'm pleading with you today to recognize that. And I'm pleading with you to get saved. I'm pleading with you today to have a real relationship with Him that is life-giving and is a relationship with Jesus and is a relationship and power of the Holy Spirit. So all Christians always have the Spirit. And he's inviting you and I to this. In fact, the word that he uses here is interesting. It's the word anointing. Notice with me again in verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. That anointing that you've received from him. Why use this word? Well, it's a big word. We talked about it actually a couple weeks ago in part. Let me just quickly say a little bit of that again. All the way through the Bible, you get this picture of anointing, and it really is a picture of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it would come upon a very select few people, like a king maybe, or a prophet, and the anointing would enable them to you know, serve, but it was tenuous. I mean, it could be taken away, and it was only given to a few. In the New Testament, that's not what's happened. We all have this. Every Christian, because of what Jesus did, we are all have this anointing. But to use this word speaks not just of the presence of the Spirit, but His enabling, His empowering, His work that would do this in this. In fact, think about it this way. Even when we think about Jesus, the Bible lets us know that He was anointed, that He was the one. In fact, Christ really means anointed one. But he was the one that was anointed by the power of the Spirit. In fact, it gives it to us in Luke 4, Jesus speaking. And he's quoting out of the book of Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he goes on in the quote that just says, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. But highlight it with me that it tells us in there that Jesus was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God had come upon him to anoint him, to enable him to be that. That's an amazing reality. I mean, theologically wild that Jesus, fully God, fully man, lived his life on earth, not depending on the power that would have been his as the Son of God instead. Given the Spirit without measure, fully the power of the Spirit upon him so that what he did, he did in the power of the Spirit. So that became this incredible space that he would walk in this, that that pictures that place that was for him. Well, him it was true. For us, it's true that we have this picture, this power of the anointing that would keep us, help us walk in that. Okay, so to abide. That's what we're talking about. That's the theme. Well, the reality is that the Spirit of God abides in us. The reality is, is that, and I want to tell you that this passage is going to call us to respond. We are going to be invited into a space where we would respond to this, but that's not this first part. This first part is just to solidly tell you this is true. I mean, just to invite you to believe it, that if we want to have an abiding relationship with Jesus, we recognize right now, hey, the Spirit of God is abiding in us. That can't change. That can't be untrue. If you're his, it is true. And he's just going to invite you to respond to that. That because he's abiding in us, we are being invited to respond to that, but he is abiding in you if you're a follower of Jesus. 
So that's where we're beginning. There's this place where he's telling us we need to abide, that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. So what works in that? How do we respond? Well, continue reading with me. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you. Hey, we'll pause there. So he's highlighting here not only the presence of the power of the work of the Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Now it's right here we begin to immediately understand there's a part for us to play. He's teaching, we have to be taught. He's teaching, we need to listen, certainly a part of that, but hear me clearly, he is teaching. Yeah, that's what he does. He's one that seeks to work that inside of us. So much power, so much work, John says it in a pretty incredible way. You probably already saw it, but I just had you read it, but I need you to read it again, so you make sure you see it in the text. There in verse 27, the anointing which you've received from him abides in you. And here's where you're paying really close attention. And he says, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Pause there. You do not need anyone to teach you. Okay. What in the world did that say? I mean, what, what exactly is he communicating to you and I here? Is he saying that you are perfect in knowledge? Like you understand everything that you need to know. Well, maybe it's true for you. I'm just going to admit it's not true for me. Like, like I just have so much I don't understand. There's still so, I mean, it's certainly not a place that I would look at this and say, no, we are not perfect in knowledge. No, we don't have everything that that is. No, that's not present in us. Okay. If that's not what he's saying, is he saying we don't need to be taught in the sense of needing pastors and teachers? Is he telling you that you are wasting your time being here this morning, like this is not what you should do? Is that what he's saying when he says we don't need anyone to teach you? Well, I want to say absolutely not. Do we need pastors? Do we need teachers? Biblically, the answer is solidly yes. That's a part of the body of Christ. In fact, if we took lots of time to talk about it, we'd look at places like 1 Corinthians and Ephesians 4, and we would see that that's part of the work of the Spirit, that one of the gifts of the power of the Spirit is teaching, pastoring, and if it's working this morning, if that's what's taking place and the Holy Spirit's working through me, that's what I'm longing for, to teach you. That's a part of our growth. It is 100% the way that God has designed us. There's not any of us that don't need that. It is part of what's taking place. So that is a part of it. So that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for us to continue to grow. In fact, I don't think we ever outgrow that. So it's not telling us we don't need pastors, nor is it saying we're perfect in knowledge. Then what in the world is it saying? What does he mean when he says we don't need anybody to teach us? Well, it's important. And I need you to try to think it through. It might be something you already understand, but honestly, for some of you, you've never processed this through. So hear me clearly. What he's telling us here is there's a dynamic spiritually that is unlike anything else in the world. What he's telling us is that when we think about what this is, is that the Spirit of God works in a way that changes this entirely. In fact, let me put it to you in maybe a goofy way. I couldn't think of a better way to say it, but let me say it this way. The Spirit is the receiver for the broadcast of God's truth. 
that the Spirit of God inside of you is the receiver for the broadcast of God's truth. So you understand my analogy, right? When we talk about a receiver, you're thinking about maybe a television or a radio, and you would understand, hey, those aren't the actual broadcasts. Those just allow you to tune in. That if you tune into the signal, then what's being broadcast can be received, can be processed. And what he's letting us know is that's a dynamic reality in Christ. It's a dynamic reality in the work of Christ so that when we are being taught, it's really the Holy Spirit who is connecting the dots, who is giving life to God's word. In fact, where that's happening, it is solidly him doing it. I think about it this way. That's what Paul would explain to us in 1 Corinthians. He says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He says, here's the thing. We're teaching you, but we're not using the wisdom of men. We're not using rhetoric or using the, the, the ways that the world uses to instruct. We're not just using earthly schemes. He says, it's not it at all. It's spiritual that is connecting to spiritual. There's a living dynamic that is taking God's truth and connecting it with your soul in a way that nothing else can. That when this happens, when the work of the Holy Spirit, when he's teaching it, it takes God's truth and plugs it into your soul in a dynamic and in a real and valuable way, a transforming way that nothing else could compare to. In fact, he'd go on to say, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person, the person who's unsaved, can't get it. It's not just that they are lacking skills. It's not just that they're lacking experience. He says they don't have the ability. It's not just that they are are weak in it. They cannot know them, because without the work of the Spirit, it doesn't open. It doesn't connect. And I just want to tell you, this is beautiful. In fact, for some of you, this was exactly your experience. Maybe before you got saved, you'd actually read a Bible. You picked one up. I mean, your parents' Bible or something, and you thought, I'm going to read, what is this thing that everybody's so excited about? And you read it, and you're like, really? This is what you guys get excited about? I don't get any of it. It's like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's just all dumb to me. And then you got saved. And then you got saved. And all of a sudden, you're like, Wow, like every word, it just, it just breathes life and it's power. And you're like, man, this is so cool. And I don't know why everybody isn't understanding it. And something has radically changed. It's the work of the Spirit of God inside of you that is connecting God's truth to you. It is dynamically how it happens in Christ. It's an incredible reality that the Holy Spirit is that which teaches us is the one who connects us to God's truth. It's something we pray for every week. I mean, you guys probably get it, right? We pray right before we do a Bible study, and we don't probably always use the same words, but somewhere in there, it's not uncommon that I'll say something to the effect of, you know, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is teaching. Like, God, we need to hear it. There's no way we'll get it without your help. There is no way we will understand what you are speaking unless your spirit opens it to us. I mean, there is a reality that this is something that is a beautiful part of the Christian life. Now, much could be said about that. It is life-giving. It is helpful. It is hopeful that he, the Spirit of God can help all of us get there. But in its context, it is specifically helpful to help us overcome lies because Satan's a liar, and he is propagating even spiritual lies. And he says, here's the thing. 
the Spirit of God will be the one that when things are being taught that are wrong, the Spirit of God inside of you will not get excited. It will disconnect. It'll be a little bit of a warning sign. It's like, no, that's not necessarily true. Now, let me say this clearly, but very succinctly. I'm not saying that Christians can't be misled. We can. We can believe lies. But if you believe a lie, you ignore the warning signs and the flag of the Holy Spirit in your heart because He will always, He will always, you know, give up a warning. He will always, you know, set off a alarm like, that's not true. That's not me. That's not God. And one of the keys of the Christian life is to grow in that, to be in the place that maybe you're hearing a sermon or you're reading a book or someone's telling you something and sometimes you'll just be there. It's like, I don't like that. I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't like it. It doesn't feel, it just, something feels wrong. It feels off. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying every time you feel that, that it's a lack of it actually being God. Sometimes it's your brokenness. Sometimes it's your own history, your own prejudice, your own bad experience. But here's the thing, you should never ignore that. You should be like, okay, God, you're gonna have to convince. I mean, I have to see it in the word of God because I'm not gonna trust anybody. Like, I don't, that doesn't, that's not landing and I'm not, I'm not gonna believe it until it lands. You know, and, and you, one of the keys of the Christian life is to say, I, I need that. And here's the incredibly powerful thing. That's what Jesus is offering you. That's exactly what Jesus is telling you. That he's saying, hey, I'll give you this that would help you so that you won't get led astray. That if you would pay attention to the work of the Spirit of God inside of you, you in your weakness, and some of us, this is incredibly good news because we're like, I am so gullible. <laughs> I don't, you, you might not be. Maybe you're sitting this morning, I am not gullible. I pull, nobody's pulling the wool over my eyes. I'm going to tell you, I'm gullible. Okay, I'll just own it. Like, I, you know, sometimes I think, man, I don't even know how I could survive some of these things. So I'll look, oh, really? That sounds great. Million dollars for my Ethiopian? That's wonderful. What I could do with that? No, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I could be so easily deceived. And so I love that there is this promise. He says, okay, here's what you need to understand. The reason you have this is because the Spirit of God inside of you will confirm it. And one of the keys of the Christian life is learning how to figure that out, learning how to pay attention to the work of the Spirit of God inside of you. That's why he says you don't need anybody to teach you. But understand, this is bigger than just a warning. It's part of his growth in your life. Notice how broad it is put in our verse. He tells us there in the middle of the verse, you do not need anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Yeah, he's always leading. He's always working in it. And one of the great keys of the Christian life is learning how to do this. So maybe this is going to help if I entirely change uh, the, the perspective of it and talk about it in a different way. Though, again, my key is to help you understand the warning. Let's talk about it in God guiding your life. Let's talk about it in you figuring out what God has for your life. I just want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is key in that. Because here's what happens. Sometimes people have advice for you designs on your life that may or may not be God. So maybe it's happened to you, but let's just imagine it happened this morning. Let's just imagine that you get up here from this morning and somebody catches you in the hall and they talk to you for a moment and they tell you, you know what? I, just, I feel like I have a word from God for you. Like God was telling me, you need to be a missionary. You need to sell everything you have and you need to move to Africa. Like that's what I'm telling you. I mean, I just, just a word. Just thought I'd just tell it to you. Let me ask you, so how do you respond to that? I mean, how are you gonna process that? Well, let me give you this help. You know, the Holy Spirit's inside you. If, if, if that's something he has for you, 
He will speak it into your life so that when other people come along, it only becomes a confirmation. I'll say it even in a goofy way. The Spirit has your number. And it's like, if it doesn't resonate with you, don't let it work. So, I mean, it happens to me all the time. I mean, sometimes people will come, and it's happened in my history, and sometimes it even happens as a pastor now. People come and say, man, I have this great vision for the church, or I have this thing, Jim, that I think you should do. Now, I've just kind of gotten into the place. It's like, well, thank you. I'll, I'll pray about that. If it doesn't resonate, if it's not what God was already talking to me about, then I really don't listen. I mean, I'll put it into the prayer hopper, like, Lord, if this is you, you show me, because I'm not going to follow that guidance. But when it is him, it's a beautiful thing. See, I think back to when God first began calling me to be a teacher, and if you know any of my story, it was not something I wanted to do. I didn't think I could do it. I was never a public speaker. I didn't like talk. I mean, I just thought, no, I don't want to do it. Like, and so when God began teaching, I was like, no, I don't, no, I don't, that's not me. I, I don't want to teach. And I remember kind of just struggling with that. And then I went to church on a Sunday, and honestly, it felt like the day that everybody decided to pick on me. I mean, literally, I mean, every hallway I went down, somebody caught me and said, hey, Pastor, you know, they, not Pastor Jim, they just, hey, Jim, you know, I just thought I would tell you. You know, I just wanted to ask you, have you ever thought about teaching a Bible study? No. <laughs> like, leave that person and go to the next person. They go around the corner and somebody's like, you know, I was thinking about the other day, you know, we, you should teach a Bible study. It's like, did you guys all get together? And like, just, you know, you pick on Jim in the hallway and I'll get him in the sanctuary. And literally like, three times it happened. But here's the thing. It was God because the Holy Spirit's like, told you, like, you know, and it was resonating, like, every time they said it, it's like, no, fine, okay, you know, I, I mean, just, but it, it was a beautiful place where what God was speaking was working, and that's what we want. We want the place where what's being spoken to us resonates, but when it doesn't resonate, when the Spirit of God inside us is not saying it, you can go, huh, great, maybe you should be the missionary, you know, it's like, because it's not resonating inside of me, you know, I mean, it's not, he's not speaking that to me, I mean, I would, if he was, I would, but I need him to guide my life, and, and, and the thing is that that becomes a positive way he guides us, but it also, again, becomes the way that we're protected from the lies that Satan is thwarting, that he's seeking to bring us in there, and he says, hey, you could do this, you could do this, and as he just tells us to us, I'm telling you, this is what Jesus is giving you, so when Jesus was sharing this that night before he went to the cross, that much of uh, what John is telling us here in 1 John, he would say it this way in John 15, in that same passage about abiding. He says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send from you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he'll testify of me, that he's going to draw attention to me. Or if I can use the terminology we're using this morning, he's going to help you abide in Christ. The Spirit of God is going to lead you to this abiding relationship in Jesus. He's going to draw you to Christ. He's going to draw you to all that that is. However, he goes on to say, he, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Incredibly glorious and incredibly wonderful. Amazing grace. I, I think about it when Paul would say, it. he says, the good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Spirit of God who dwells in you. The way you keep yourself from being deceived and being stolen from and being lied to is this incredible faithfulness that God has done this for you, that Jesus loves you, that he looked at this world and said, I know what you're going to face. There's a liar. There's a deceiver. There's deception. I don't want you to be deceived. So I've given you the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. He never lies to you. He never, ever, ever endorses lies. Again, John just underscores that at the end of it there in verse 27. He says he's teaching you concerning all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie. Just as he taught you, he would never do that. He would never lead you into that. Wow. 
This is good news. This is really good news. This is meant to help you. This is meant to protect you. Maybe you have already figured this out. Maybe what I'm telling you this morning is that which you understand and live in. Great. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. And you find yourself buying into weird things, lies. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is meant to protect you. He's inside your life. He is true, and he would lead you in this. And one of the great keys of our Christian life is that because, again, in the context of what we're saying, there is this that is a deceiver that is going to try to deceive you, but how incredible it is that God is seeking to protect you. Okay, so let's kind of apply this in there. Let's go back, because he says it, and he makes it land for us there in verse 27. He says, again, just reading the whole verse, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, catch it here, you will abide in him. Yeah, this is what he's doing. This idea of abiding, this abiding in Jesus, which is what's the main goal in this text. And he says, if you want to abide in Christ, then you do that by the power and the enabling and the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would be the one that would do that. To say it in the most simple way, that is probably what I've already said, but just saying it clearly. If you are being taught by the Spirit, if you're following him, he's going to lead you to abide in Christ. You will abide in Christ, because that's what he does. He's, he's drawing us to Jesus. And, and if you do that, to the extent that you do that, it will cause you and help you to be that one that does abide in Christ. Incredibly good news. By the way, maybe helpful, the idea of abiding is, is synonymous with the idea of walking in the Spirit. Probably two sides of the same coin. So, you know, we talk about it so much in the New Testament will say, hey, we need this relationship where we walk in the Spirit. For example, Galatians 5, it says, I say then walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Really good news. It says you want to not sin? You want to not do those things that your sinful propensity would do? Walk in Him. What's the idea of walking? It's step by step, day by day, depending on Him. If you will depend on Him, if you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll abide in Christ, you don't sin. He helps you overcome. Incredibly good news but it's exactly there where we need to take a couple moments and just press. Because, see, we really need this. We really need this place of depending on him because we're not enough for it. I like the way it gives it to us in Romans where it simply says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Incredibly good news. Where you're weak, he's strong, and he will help you. In fact, in this context, he's talking about prayer, that he's interceding for us with a greater ability than we could ever do. Incredibly good news. Jude would say it to us this way, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. So Jude is another book that warns about false teachers and the lies that are in this world. And in the midst of it, he tells us of the deceptions that are happening, and then he ends it. This is kind of his landing. And he says, here's what you need to do. Build yourself up. Grow. Grow in the things of the holy faith. Believe the things that are in the Bible and pray. 
pray in the power of the Spirit, pray in the dependence on the Spirit, lean heavily into Him because you desperately need that. And that will keep you in the love of God. That will keep you into this abiding, beautiful relationship that God has for you. That is exactly what we need. We need this relationship where we daily depend upon Him. And the danger is our sinful independence. How to say this better. I need you to understand this quickly. There's a propensity inside of you that seeks to be independent, that seeks to do life on your own, that seeks to say, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I can do it all by myself. I can handle this. I need you to understand that much of that is sinfully independent, because that's not true. You were made for a dependent relationship on Jesus. You're made to need him 24-7. You're made to say, I can't do anything without him. Like, I'm not supposed to do this on my own. I'm supposed to live dependently. I'm supposed to live in relationship. But my problem is there is this propensity I have to try to do things on my own, and that's what gets me so often into trouble. So think about it this way. In just a few moments, not yet, so don't tune out, don't, we're not done yet. Don't get excited. We have a few more moments. But in just a few moments, we are going to close, and we're going to close with a song that we've been singing. And I really like it. It's one of those ones that, that talks about how he will hold us fast and the incredible just wonder of this relationship with Christ that he holds us. And I love that aspect. And in the background, I've used this image that kind of has this picture of a father holding a child's hand. And I just want to press that for a moment. Can I tell you, there is 100% faithfulness in God. He is holding us, he has us, and certainly that's a big part of that worship song. But I want to bring it into an application this morning where I want to invite you to hang on to him, where I want to invite you to take that relationship and and don't be that child. You know what I mean, right? Some of you parents, you'll get this better than others. You had that child. I mean, maybe it was like one of yours that was especially this way. You know, you took them to the mall or you took them to the fair and you tried to hold their hands and the whole time they're just like, you know, everything, like, I, I don't need you. I can do it alone. Like, quit holding me. You know, and, and you're like, no, you need me. And you're like, no, I don't need and, and then you watch them skin their knee, and you watch them get into trouble, and you're like, you needed me. And it's like, why are you so independent? Like, why are you like that? And, and I want to tell you, some of us are like that spiritually, that God has invited us into this place of saying, hey, you need me. Like, depend on me. And our problem is like, I don't need you. I can do this. And I'm telling you what a part of it is like, God, I want to grab on. I want to grab on and say, boy, I'm facing things and I'm never going to be able to do this right without your help. Like I'm looking to the future and I'm never going to be able to do this right without your help. So let me even give it to you this way. We often talk to you about the Lord's Prayer. I don't want it to be legalistic. I don't want you to make you feel like you have to pray the Lord's Prayer. But if you're needing help in prayer, can I just invite you to consider the Lord's Prayer? When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer and he said, in this manner, therefore, pray. And I've encouraged you guys not to take the Lord's Prayer as something just to repeat, you know, just word for word, but take it subject by subject. And if you prayed through the Lord's Prayer every day, you would cover almost every subject that you really needed to cover. I do this, by the way. Not encouraging you to do something I don't do, I do. And if you do that, you would begin with relationship. You just begin by Father. And you talk to God for a while, like, I need you. I need to know you. I need to love you. Like, I've been created for this. Like, we need to walk in this. And you would spend time worshiping Him. You know, hallowed be your name. I mean, great, great spaces. But if you did that, you would get to the end of that prayer, and there would be two aspects that would be a part of your prayer life daily. 
One of them would be a place where you're just saying, God, rescue me from temptation. Like, lead me not into temptation. Where you would be looking forward to the day, looking forward into it. You've already kind of prayed for his will. You've already asked for forgiveness for messing up. You've already pressed into relationship. And now you'd just be saying, okay, God, we're about to move forward. And if you don't help me all by myself, I'm going to mess it up. Like, Lord, I know, I know in my flesh is weakness, and, and, and I need to be rescued from temptation. I need to be rescued from my own propensities. And so you, at this moment, would be like that little child. You'd be like, let's do this together. Like, I want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How about we do day, today that way? I mean, because, Lord, I'm all by myself, I'm a problem. But then you would recognize it. But I'm not the only problem. There's a deceiver. There's a liar who has permeated the world with his lies. He's, he's the one who is the evil one. And God, I need you to rescue me. I need you to deliver me from him. I need you to rescue me from his lies. And Because if, if, if I don't have your help, I will, I will buy into it. I will buy into one of the lies and it will rob me from what God has for me. And I need your help. I am just inviting you to such a place. And again, you don't have to use this model. I'm not saying you, if you're not going to pray the Lord's Prayer, you're not doing it. But I'm just telling you, here's the deal. For some of us, we're not. In fact, even some of us who do this. I mean, sometimes I'll be honest. I can pray the Lord's Prayer and I can get to this final section and almost be like, just hit it quickly. Maybe I've already spent too much time. And, and, and sometimes I just realize, I'm, I'm not. I feel like I'm, you know, I get to this moment and I'm that little kid wiggling out of the Father's hands. Like, no, no, I got it. You know, thanks, you know, let's just go forward. I can handle this day all by myself. It's like, what, you dummy? No, you can't. You know, it's like, why would you even, you know, if you saw how dangerous this world was and how harmful sin was, you would at this moment be like, I'm grabbing onto the hand. I'm going to say, God, help. Because they're smarter than me. I mean, just, just Satan's bigger and, and I'll buy into a lot. But if you do this, if you do this both by the power of your truth and the presence of the Spirit of God inside me, we can escape all of his lies today. I, I, I can actually navigate what's in front of me and not have that be my undoing. Guys, I'm just inviting you to that. I'm telling you that there's this incredible space where he is speaking to you and saying, hey, we could do that. And as much as I'm just telling to you, I just want to tell you it's possible. I just want to tell you, you could do it, and it would be an incredible way to see your life change, to be in a place where you would live this out. Okay, let's put it into context. We've talked about a bunch of stuff this morning, but in many ways, it's simple. There is lies. There, you need to be aware. There's deception out there, lots of it. It is getting worse and worse, and you're going to fall prey to it unless you hold fast to God's truth, which is what we talked about last week, unless you abide in the Holy Spirit who is with you, and He will teach you. And if you will pay attention to that, you'll be rescued from those things, but not only rescued, what He would draw you to is an absolutely beautiful relationship with Jesus, a dependent relationship with Jesus. In fact, let me put this back into context of what we saw last week. And again, if you missed the message last week, this is just a quick, you know, overview of what we've seen, but you might want to go back and get it. So abiding. He uses the term seven times in this section. By this morning, we've only seen five of them. The first one was back in verse 19, where he just let us know, false Christians don't. By their very nature, someone who's not really a follower of Jesus will always fail to abide. We just need to know that and see that it applies. 
Then he gave us one of the first keys. In what we've heard, which is the Bible, we hold fast to him. That the second two times he used the word abide, he was calling us to the power of the scriptures. He was telling us, hey, you want this? You want an abiding relationship with Jesus? Then you need this. Be in this book. Know this book. Be in this Bible daily. As much as you're in this, it will facilitate that relationship with Jesus. And then he comes and adds to it this morning, not only by the power of the Word of God, but by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, who connects that truth to you, who will also give you the warnings and protect you from being lied to. And if you hold to this, it will help you abide in Christ. It will help you have this incredible relationship that in very essence is an abiding relationship in Jesus. And hear me as clear as I can. That's what you need. That's what I want you to have. It's Jesus. It's knowing him. It's finding your life connected to. It is life to the full. It is life to the best. It is life as it was meant to live. It is an abiding relationship in Jesus. And that is what you and I need. Okay, we're going to close there. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and I'm going to invite you now to respond to this. We think about this abiding relationship in Jesus, and I'm going to give you a moment to pray about it. We're going to take a quiet moment in just a second, and we're going to give you that space to pray. And I don't know where it's going to respond, but let me just begin by saying it might be you that doesn't actually have a relationship. You might be that person that we spoke of this morning that doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you're religious but you don't have a relationship, then today, today we're inviting you to a relationship with Jesus. Today we're saying as we begin to pray that you would just say, I need that. I need to be saved. I, I need God to work that in me. And we invite you to do that. But many of you know him. And I just want to invite you to do what I've tried to encourage you this morning. So let's think about it like the Lord's Prayer. I don't want to talk about your past. I don't want to talk about if you already bought into lies. I don't want to talk about your fears. I want to tell you, hopefully we've already dealt with that. If we were praying through the Lord's Prayer, we've already said, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for all the mistakes I've done. Forgive me for my failures. And right now, I hope you would be just knowing that. And God's forgiveness would wash over you for your past failures. I want to talk to you about the rest of the day. I want to talk to you about walking out that door. I want to talk to you about navigating this future. And I want to tell you, Without his help, you're going to blow it. That you should be able to come and say, okay, I want to be the little kid that just grabs hold and says, Lord, you know me. Protect me from my own sinful propensities. Lead me away from temptation. Lead me away from things that I would mess it up all by myself. And then, Lord, rescue me from the liar. Rescue me from the deceiver. Rescue me from the evil one. God, make it clear. Don't let me buy into any lies that would rob me of who you are. That you would look out there and say, God, I want, I, I, I'm not going to trust my own ability to do this. And as much as I'm trying to say it, I'm telling you, for some of you, you're still going to be right there and I'm trying to say this and you're still going to be that child. Like, no, nah, I got it. <laughs> like, I got this. Like, I can do this on my own. And, and then you won't. Today, right now, I'm inviting you to dependence. I'm inviting you to say, hey, I need the Holy Spirit boy, I need this. I need to believe. I need to walk. I need your help. And I need to do this. So let's take a quiet moment. You talking to the Lord, me talking to the Lord. And I want to invite you to be that person that looks at that and asks for his help. So quietly, you take a moment and pray. I'll do the same. And then we'll close in worship in just a moment.
God, I'm aware of just what an incredible thing this is that you would do, that you would send your son to save and draw us to a genuine, authentic relationship with you. I think about that dynamic of the work of the Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God, you live inside of us who know you. And right now I just plead for any that that's not true of. For you said it so clearly. If anybody doesn't have the Spirit of God, they're not his. God, I pray that here, that those who are in that place where they're religious, but they don't know you, save them. Draw them to their need of a dynamic, real relationship with you. That they would be those who would hear in the last day. When you speak, I know them. Not be those that you would say, I don't, I don't know you. God, I pray for relationship and that dynamic work of the Spirit. Draw these that don't know you. But then for those of us who do, God, I just want to believe you and just recognize there's, this is a scary world and it's filled with lies and deceptions. We absolutely need you. God, would you lead us away from temptation today, like right now. God, I just want to ask for your help so that we don't fall into our own mistakes and our own failures and our own sins. Would you lead us away from those? Would you guide our lives and protect us and lead us out of temptation? Would you rescue us from our own propensity to sin? And then, God, would you rescue us from the evil one? I believe and recognize he's a liar. He's been lying since the beginning of time. If I believe his lies, and to the extent that we believe his lies, he robs us of what you have for us. Rescue us now. Help us now. Help us as we navigate this fallen world to do so in dependence upon you. By the power of the Spirit of God inside of us, would you help us to recognize truth and error? Would you deliver us from the lies that would rob us of what you have for us? Would you do so by the working and power of your Spirit in us, Lord? I ask for help in that, believing in your good faithfulness to do this. I just want to be that child who is holding fast to you, who's holding on to me. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Just trusting this now to you. We do so together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.